hello and welcome back to the next installment of My Father Before Me. I'm your host, Brennan Sem. Joining me as usual is Tori Sem. How are you doing today, Dad? I'm doing excellent. Good. Me as well. Excited to talk about this one. This is the first movie that I actually have wanted to watch prior to doing, or have I've wanted to watch since before we started doing this. So I'm very excited. What have we got on the docket today, Dad? All right. Well, today we are talking about The Last Starfighter. Last Starfighter came out in 1984. Yes, 1984, which makes it a couple years past Tron. Now, the what I remember about The Last Starfighter is the special effects, right? So they're the first ones, or, or they say in their little documentary that they're the first ones to do fully rendered, the entire scene rendered, and you can see that, but... Uh, so Last Starfighter was a, a, a show that came out, another one that I burned the VHS up on, uh, watched quite a bit. Um, spoiler alert, I don't know if it held up for me, but uh, <laughs> how about uh, let's get uh, your your take on it first. Um, I actually really liked it. I'm not going to lie. This I was like really involved the whole time. The, it felt like such an 80s movie. <laughs> I loved every part of it, especially uh, even the beginning when they're doing like the exposition and he's just a kid in a trailer park who, who wants to go to the the big city to find a better life and that he can't. I was like, that's such an eighties movie plot line. <laughs> well, it is. And the writer of it. Um, so I was listening to some of the uh, stuff that, on it and the writer actually said that originally they were going to set it in the suburbs, but because of all the Spielberg movies out there and all the stuff, he was afraid it would be, seem too derivative to do that. So he wanted to do it in a trailer park, which would be slightly different, give him more of a, a way to get out of it. But he also said, and, you know, maybe this is a good, you know, a good writing thing is it gives you a community of people then that you kind of glom onto. Like there's the old granny lady. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, well, the, the old granny lady, I was going to tell you, uh, she you've seen her before. You don't know you did. She was one of the uh, attendants in the Star Trek original series, The Cage episode. Really? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, she was in that. So uh, what was her name? Granny something in in the Starfighter. But uh, yeah, she was was in that. Um, A couple of them. uh, Who's the gentleman uh, that was Otis at the... uh, He's a character actor. You've seen him quite a bit before. Yeah. Vernon Washington. Yes, he's he's been in quite a things. This was his last movie, I think, is what I heard. Uh, shortly after this one, he passed, if I remember right, or maybe. Well, yeah. he's got some other ones after it, but it, they they said I think they said it was the last one he shot or one of his last few that he that he was in. So I think that's the guy I'm talking about. And then the other guy um, with uh, Centauri. Um, I know that you've gone back and watched a lot of the uh, classics. I don't know if you have you ever watched The Music Man. Not yet. I think it, I think he wasn't on any streaming services when I was looking for it. That's one that I mean, all the all the cast and everything was super excited that they got him in order to be on the movie, you know, and stuff because he was kind of a flim flam man. And as soon as they were saying when they were writing it that as soon as they realized they could get him, they rewrote the part to be a little bit more like his Music Man character. So. It's kind of a fun little uh, thing to get the big name people in there. I mean, but now the the difference being, if you compare that to uh, Alec Guinness and Star Wars, you know, there's there's lots of stories out there about how Alec Guinness was not excited to be on Star Wars. <laughs> right. 
Well, this guy seemed pretty excited. He was he was he was in his later years. I think that again, this might have been his last movie as well. Uh, but he uh, he he was pretty excited. All the actors said he had a lot of fun, and he was joking around with people. So I think, and I think you can see that on the, yeah, on the show. He definitely looked like he was having a good time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> jumping around, shooting. It's probably probably a fun play date for uh, for an older gentleman such as that to be able to hop out of his space car and and shoot an alien. But uh, space car, literally a DeLorean. <laughs> I noticed that right away. I was like, that's fun. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another '80s thing, which is interesting. Well, so uh, you know, uh, Back to the Future didn't come out till '85, but of course the DeLorean was around quite a bit, and they did even mention that that they modeled it after the DeLorean with the the doors opening up. Although they said that they here they had this cool space car, and because of the way they built it, the frame they built it on, it would only go super slow. <laughs> so, so all the shots you see are the film sped up. Because it just kind of rolls slowly down the street. They said it It did not. It wasn't a practical car. That is so funny. <laughs> what? Right. It was just like, how long would it like? How long did it take them to <laughs> just film it rolling? Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, well, the, the, I, you, you can tell, too, when you're watching some of the scenes, you can see it speeding off <laughs> and that film sped up. But. Yeah, it was great. But it was pretty classic. So, I mean, the story, of course, is. Uh, you know, there's a the video game, and, and it's every kid's dream, right? Who's playing a video game? That the video game is actually the test to get you involved in the uh, in the big interstellar war and stuff. And of course, since you know the video game, you can you can fly and shoot a gunship. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, the uh, the writer was um, an unknown dude. He was, and he said in in a couple of these documentaries I've watched that he. Was just a, he was doing what was he? Oh, he's a loan officer for somewhere, and he would have a lot of spare time, so he'd go wander around and and do a little writing. And he went into an arcade and saw some kids playing, and at the same time he was reading, um, uh, was it uh, the King? Oh, the Once and Future King. Once and Future King. I, so yeah. <laughs> he got the idea for the Excalibur test, and of course they they mention it in the story up to your old Excalibur tests again, you know, and stuff. But uh, so they reference that, but that's what he, he built it off the idea of what if this was the sword and the stone, right? This thing that found a person so that they go off and do that kind of thing, which you kind of get, I mean, there, there was some movies in later years that had, uh, you know, video game kids controlling drones and stuff like that. Well, and you think of, uh, did you ever see Ender's game? Yeah. 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 yeah that yeah. was the same thing, right? Where they thought it in, in, at some point, they kind of felt it was a simulation. Then they found out it was real or something. But, uh, you know, it, it's that kind of idea that just because I can play this, I can control this video game and I get the high score, I, I should be able to fight in a war. But Yeah, well, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> well, of course it does. <laughs> well, I mean, arcade games, obviously a good place to hide things. Chuck is where they hid the uh, nuclear codes. <laughs> well, there, <laughs> and, um, there you go. Where else would you put it? Vissel Defense. Was that what it's called? That, that sounds game? right. That sounds oh, right. Yes. That, that was a good show. <laughs> the I really liked the um like the trailer park setting. It like I did I liked the whole community, but anytime that they showed the like the sign for the area, I was like this is just terrible design. Who would design this? Cuz it's so hard to read. Yes. It's hard to read and then the blinking is too slow. <laughs> I was like I I had to squint. I was like, "Oh, it says Starlight and then something else." I was like, "Oh, I guess it's kind of related." I guess it's not made if you if it's trailer park, you're not trying to draw people off the road. You're just <laughs> trying to give some dynamic lighting for the for the residents, I suppose. 
Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty slick, you know, and and the way they did it, and and you know, I haven't been around the country much. All the trailer parks I've seen are nice and flat, but I did kind of like the way the trailer park had levels. You right. Know? I yeah. could I could see where that would actually be kind of a cool place to to park and make shop. You know. Yeah. I think that uh, so the movie, you know, it starts taking off, but you know, some of the fun parts they did, you know, besides the fact that you've got all the um, the digital animation and stuff is you still see that they had to do practical effects and create the, all those aliens. Now they didn't, they weren't there very long. Right. So they didn't have to spend a lot of money on the costumes, I guess. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of fun where they were trying to build that, that, uh, that whole thing, trying to do the, uh, the star Wars cantina. Yeah. <laughs> by throwing them into this place with all this weird stuff. You yeah. Know? It, it definitely felt like that. <laughs> and what, what was so weird about that scene is like, you know, he's running around trying to figure out what's going on because nobody's told him anything and everybody's just ignoring him. And then after this, like, it's, it's like a super long scene. Then eventually he gets the uh, translation thing that they just put under his lapel. Like, why wouldn't you do that right in the beginning? Right when they're walking in. No, you have to make the fun noises. Well, they had to send him through the decan- decontamination uh, conveyor belt that does nothing but flashes in with lights. I'm sure that did something important. Yeah, the... Um the set very felt very much like a, this is super future because you looked at like their computers and it was just a screen of lights that they would just like point at every once in a while. There was no information. At well, all. that that's the star Trek there, right? You know, that's how the star star Trek consoles looked at the beginning, oh, you know, man. and stuff. But, uh, and I do, I do kind of think that this one was less about, I mean, it's a space uh, adventure, but I think it's less about trying to be Star Wars and more trying to be a Star Trek that's fun. Right. You know what I mean? A more more exciting Star Trek type of thing. Uh, because it, it doesn't feel like Star Wars, even though, like I said, I already pointed out the cantina scene. And, of course, you got the old wizened guy that gets a, gets a reluctant hero involved and stuff. But So I guess in a way, it, you know, that's the Star Wars trope. But to me, it feels a lot more like a adventurous star trek right you know uh just in the way that it is you know it, it's a world you're out flying in space i don't know i think maybe that's why i glommed onto it and then of course it's that idea that that stuck with you when you're watching star trek and stuff that, that it's this kind of adventure type of thing even though star trek started out as a science show but you know it's this kind of adventure that um that you're kind of looking for, I guess. Right. In space. So yeah, it's like the well, the final frontier. There's <laughs> there's more out there. That's the that's always you know been the point of Star Trek, and I I that does feel. I did get that vibe as well. It was like <laughs> maybe because he was running around not knowing what was going on. <laughs> I felt that it was such that sort of explorer mindset. I don't know, but it was. I did like it. It was fun. It's definitely yeah. That that fish out of water bit was the comedy. Um, they mentioned uh, as soon as they had the uh, the beta unit on the on the on back at the uh, trailer part. His yeah. only job was to sit in for Alex. Yeah, that part didn't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> I didn't get that at all. Well, it, it and it is kind of funny because I, and again, I, like I said, I, I was looking through some of the documentaries and stuff, and and um, they mentioned that they showed the film to test audiences. And a lot of people, so this is giving yourself, giving you an eye to the 80s mindset when you're watching these things, a lot of people liked the beta part. So they brought Alex, the uh, Nick, no, I can't, Lance Guest, they brought him back to do reshoots. 
And and all it was was to add in more of the beta scenes. Really? <laughs> just for the comedy effect and stuff. And part of it was, and it, you kind of notice that he looks a little bit different. And I think, oh, and at the time as a kid, I thought, well, yeah, of course he looks a little bit different. He's a robot, right? But what had happened was he was already getting ready to shoot some other um, gangster movie or something like that. So they had cut his head, his hair real short. Oh. So in those extra added on beta scenes, they had to put a wig on him. And for some reason, he was super sick. <laughs> so they said it kind of worked out that he come back for reshoots just to look like a robot because he had the kind of ashen face and the real messy wig. That's <laughs> funny. So he said he complained about having to wear the stupid wig for the uh, for the reshoots for that. But, you know, that that's the point. You know, they threw it to test audiences and that's where you get your 80s. And that's probably when I went back and rewatched it this past weekend, you know, I. It I re, I realized how close it was to just a um, you know more of a young adult adventure. You right. know what I mean? And you can tell that too. There's the one scene. So eighty four was basically is before PG thirteen because PG thirteen was coming out was just about a thing around then. So the one scene where they had the spy and he's melting his head, <laughs> yeah. you can see they cut away from it real quick. Well, they had actually filmed the whole head getting melted away and stuff. But because at the time you go from PG to R, they didn't want to go R. Right. So they had to cut all that out and, and bring it back, dial it back a little bit and that kind of thing. But it, so it, it's you can see the 80s mentality there where you you were either a lighthearted adventure or you were rated R. Right. You know, and stuff. So that's where the. You know, a good indicator right then is is right about then because I you know I got to think when um, Temple of Doom came out because I can't I think Temple of Doom was or is either Temple of Doom or Gremlins is the reason for PG thirteen I can't remember Spielberg was was pushing for the PG thirteen and I can't remember which one it was whether it's so Temple of Doom was released eighty four. Maybe it was right after Temple of Doom that they decided they needed a PG thirteen because of course you know you're Yanking out people's hearts and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it gets right, real you. real there. Yeah, Gremlins was 84 as well. So, Gremlins 3? Gremlins Sorry. 3. That's not the point of the show. <laughs> okay. It's red and green. Looks like Christmas, too. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> what am I looking up again? Uh, well, we were looking up when, when did PG-13 come out. That's what I'm curious about. Because, like I said, the re- you can really tell. And, and like I said, and that's where maybe... I noticed what I was watching now going back and rewatching it because there's a hard break between that. Oh, yeah. See, there you go. PG-13 debuts July 1st, 84. And I think this one was this one came out July 13th, 84. So it wouldn't have been reviewed or anything, but just missed it. (laughs) Yeah, you should uh, when you get a chance, there's there's a couple of good documentaries out there about why they did the rating system and how the rating systems work. It's, It's pretty interesting, but. So you can tell, you know, and, and and I suppose that's where I was going with this is if you're looking for a lighthearted um, action, sci-fi action, then that's what this was. Right. But at times, like I said, I think it's skewed a little a little young, and that's where I was noticing it when I was rewatching it. But like I said, I burned this thing up when I was a kid. I bought the Blu-ray, of course, because it's a thing. You know, we had the Blu-rays for it, so it's definitely worth it. And I would recommend anybody who's curious about watching that what a good action movie was in the eighties for uh, sci-fi kids, you know, this was the way to go. 
I mean, I think, let's see, I was looking it up here. The box office, they, they budget, the estimated budget was $15 million, pulled in a gross of $28 million in the U.S., so it came out ahead, you know, worldwide gross. Well, that's interesting. The worldwide gross is the exact same as the U.S. gross, so maybe it never went out. <laughs> well. Maybe all of our international listeners don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, it's definitely a thing. And like I said. There are some stuff in there. You, you listen to the documentaries, and they talk about the, the different ways that they had to build. They used a, uh, and I remember this, they used a Cray supercomputer. It wasn't ILM. It was a different house. So this is a different place than ILM. They used a Cray supercomputer, which was a pretty big uh, thing back in the day I remember hearing about, to render this stuff. And at one point, they had um, in the special features, and, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but they, they had mentioned that they did the math and it was going to take 17 months to render everything. And they only had like six months. So I I can't remember exactly. (laughs) There was, you know, the, the documentary kind of mentions, yeah, he came in the office. I said, no. And then we fixed it, you know, but you know, (laughs) I don't remember exactly what happened. I would imagine that some of that was to tone it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, But they did have some innovations while they're working on this, where they said it when they first started, they would have to start a render and it would take a long time and you wouldn't see the output until the end. And then if you did one little thing wrong, it would screw it all up, you know, start all over. Well, at some point they did get some technology updated to the point where they could see live as they were working kind of what they're looking at. And then, of course, they would render it out into into film ready stuff. Right. But, so they did have some innovations there. And the um, the effect of the floating head, you know, how he did the they had the particle thing whereas the head just kind of the floating head that's talking that he's trans- oh, yeah. transmitting and then and then the particles kind of flow away that was kind of a new fancy effect they mentioned that hadn't been done so yeah i forgot about that <laughs> interesting the bad guy well he gets away so they're but we never got our sequel but oh because he does get into a, a escape pod i noticed but um that that guy and what's zur is the yeah. bad guy he um According to IMDb, which you never know for sure, uh, that part was offered to Robin Williams first, and he turned it down. So. Really? <laughs> that would have been a funny. Yeah, movie. Been it would have been a whole him. different movie. I, <laughs> I I did not. I will say, as much as I enjoyed the movie, the conflict I did not understand at all. I had no idea what was going on. It that felt odd. And then you know they're talking about. Um, it is interesting that um, you know in in one of the uh, documentary type things, and it was it wasn't a recent one. It's one of the special features was done shortly after that, and their whole plan was that they got through that barrier because he knew the codes, I guess, or something. And then they threw asteroids at the place, right? Which sure, like okay. Now the thing is, is they kind of made fun of that idea, like, uh, why did you do asteroids? Maybe do something, and you know, there, but. If you, um, you know, spoiler alert for The Expanse, they do that a ton. They always talk about if you really want to cause damage out in space because of inertia and everything, all you got to do is drop a rock or drop a, a big metal thing, you know, a big tungsten alloy thing, and it's going to do more damage than any anything because of the way it explodes. So this was kind of a little uh, ahead of its time in that way and using uh, asteroids as a weapon, I guess. But yeah, uh, so suck on that, critics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that uh, it's been done before, I, but, you know, it was kind of interesting. But you're right. This movie, for once, didn't feel like it was about the bad guys or the conflict. It was yeah. more about The Last Starfighter, which was kind of fun. And I think that that becomes a... Again, you're you're skirting towards the um, the Spielberg 
you know, you think of E.T. and stuff like that. Sure, it's about E.T., but it's not about the bad guys in E.T. They're a, a, a speed bump in, right. the, in the thing, but that's not what the show's about, right? It's about a boy and E.T. getting together, you know, and that kind of thing. Or or even you go to um, more recently, J.J. Abrams did uh, Super 8, which was a direct homage to the Spielberg movies and stuff like that, right? Right. Uh, where it's just... It's not necessarily about that alien or whatever in that movie. It's more about, well, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's more about the kids. Have you seen Super 8? Yeah, we, I think we saw that in theaters. I was going to say, I thought we saw that, that one. That was a good movie. Yeah. I forgot about it. We just recently rewatched it. Tammy hadn't seen it, so it was kind of a fun uh, fun thing to show her. She was, she was, uh, it was pretty intense. I will say for this movie, uh, Tammy uh, was a little bit more of the, oh, <laughs> what <laughs> but it is but like i said it is what it is it's an 80s kind of thing and if yeah. you're not in love with 80s sci-fi then it, you're not gonna like this one but <laughs> yeah but it is a fun it it like you say I'm, I'm glad that you like this one compared to some of the other ones because it is a good uh it's a good indicator of shows that i watched back then because there were a ton of them out there that were this kind of thing where you get a a, a kid and he gets a hold of some kind of alien technology and, you know, hilarity ensues, you know, <laughs> or some kind of slight right. adventure. Right. Um, so we got some more of those. There's there's a couple movies. There's a, a Flight of the Navigator is one that's kind of fun. The Explorers was one that I watched as a kid. And I think that one was really teetering towards the um, after school special. But I'll have to see if I can find that one because that one is kind of fun. But uh it's another, you know, kids get a hold of some alien technology and and, and excitement happens. <laughs> well, hey, look, the 80s, they had a formula and they stuck to it and they had some bangers. They put out some pretty good movies. I'm not going to lie. I think the 80s actually, unironically, has a pretty high percentage of good movies compared to other decades. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, we were just looking at it. I think 84 is the best year ever. <laughs> you know, you talk about... Temple of Doom, you talk about Gremlins, you talk about uh, Ghostbusters, I think was 84, right? That sounds right. Um, there are so many movies that we go back to as the um, the movies. I mean, when let's see, when was Con- Wrath of Khan? Because, let's see, Star War- or, or Star Trek, the motion sp- picture was 79. 82. Wrath of Khan was 82. Yeah. So. So we're we're kind of getting there. And of course, Tron we talked about last time, and and it's an obvious comparison to this one here. That was eighty two, I believe. We figured out, um, you know. So I mean, you're getting into that range of things. Well, and and up on the shelf, we've got the the most prominent of that that we'll watch someday. The Transformers cartoon, <laughs> I believe, was nineteen eighty four. So yeah, we've discussed that on the pod a couple times. I yeah, think that's the death. Of, <laughs> that's a serious thing. Optimus Prime dies. Because they needed to sell more action figures. Yeah. But that's a different episode. You haven't seen that one yet, have you? I have. I think, I, I remember that really specifically. Okay. <laughs> I think we actually uh, bought the DVD from Hastings Bookstore. Yeah. I think I remember that very specifically. Yeah, that one's been in and out of the house a few times, I know. So. That was a good one. But like, yeah, Last Starfighter is, like I said, that's one that we've, we've burned through quite a bit. Um, watched it quite a bit. It was one that, you know... I rewatched it recently just for the heck of it, just to to get uh, Tammy and, and Jacob's response. But uh, it, uh, it's, it it's another one of those that I've watched it enough that I could have done it without watching it. Right. You know, 
because I knew all the little bits and stuff. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I think part of the reason that I liked it so much was because all of the faults, like all this, <laughs> all this stuff about it that I was like, this is terrible. It was very 80s movie. Like it felt very much like a, this doesn't work, but it's okay because it's the 80s kind of thing. Like right. they all have the exact same issues. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it is. Just, and it I, is. But again, and then that's where I go back to the Star Trek because I feel like as a kid, I remember thinking, okay, well, this is how a spaceship would fly in space, right? That gun star or whatever it's called. It is kind of floating sideways at some points, you know, and taken off. You know, it, it, to me, it felt more space realistic than what we get. You know, Star, star Wars, for all its uh, um, technological masterpieces, it does still feel like a uh, dogfight in space. Right. Right. And it's when you get into where you really start to notice it is in the more recent reboot of Battlestar Galactica. They go nuts with the space physics and how they and how they do dogfights in space, but using space physics. I mean, complete 360 turns, but you're still heading that direction. You know, that kind of thing right. is what you'd see. And I feel like this, The Last Starfighter kind of did that in that the way it moved in space kind of felt that way. You know, if it, then, and again, that's where I get into it feeling more like a adventurous Star Trek than a, you know, a, a sci-fi Star Wars. Yeah. It, it definitely wasn't an action movie. Yeah. It wasn't a war movie. Uh, despite the fact that war <laughs> was the center conflict. Yeah. It, it felt to me more like, um, yeah, an adventure. It was more of like Alex discovering there's stuff outside the trailer park and he can still pursue other things. Yeah. You know, because in the beginning, you know, he's like, I want to go to the city or whatever, but he doesn't get a scholarship. And he's like, well, I guess I'll just stay in the trailer park forever. Yeah, that's the thing. He had the, well, you can just go to city college. Well, no, I'm going to stay in the trailer park. We'll do something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least try. <laughs> just play Starfighter. Well, hey, it worked out for him. Uh, the ending, speaking of him finding his calling, that whole ending scene where Greg meets the trailer park yes. was like, the worst. I was like, why are we how, how doing do this? How do you right do? Now? How do you do? It took so long, is the thing. He's like, he, they really took the time to introduce him to like five or six people before they got to the only one that mattered his mom and girlfriend. And I think that, again, that's the, you know, that was the thing about the, the trailer park because he really wanted that community. So then, of course, they all have to have their thing. And part of the, you know, I, and I'm imagining, you know, that, um, you, there's a couple character actors there besides the gentleman Otis we talked about earlier. There's a couple of the and the and the the one that was in Star Trek. There was a couple other side actors there that you just you've seen in other places. Even his mom has been in other things, you know, and stuff. But uh, it it is a way to build that community. And uh, I'm guessing since they got those character actors, they did a little bit more there, right? Right. It's more like okay, we've got some fun stuff here. Let's go ahead and use it. You know, and make sure that everybody's doing it. But yeah, everybody had to say something different to, to Greg, which Greg um, was another actor that you can kind of recognize if you've watched some of them old movies. But again, another actor who they were kind of surprised that they were going to get to put on a mask the whole time. Right. But he just wanted to do it, you know, and stuff. So I, you know, at that point, you're, was it James O'Hurley? Hurley? Yeah. Dan. Dan O'Hurley, yeah. Well, so, yeah, he was in uh, RoboCop 2. He was, Old man. he was, now, was he in 
Is that the Caddyshack guy? Let me see. Go go down there. I think is that that's not the oh, Caddyshack go down. guy, is it? It's good uh, good radio here. Must not be. Not no. Caddyshack. Okay. I thought I was thinking he was, but I'm thinking of somebody else. But uh, the Whoopi Boys. That sounds like a good movie. Well, obviously that's one of his. Uh, that looks interesting. <laughs> that looks like 80s as hell. <laughs> Trapper John MD. Yeah. So he was. He's been obviously a lot of TV character actor. A lot of TV episodes I see on there. Again, so you're seeing a lot of these character actors, and I think that's where they wanted to build that community up. One thing we didn't mention, the the director. Did you uh, happen to click around and see who the director was? I did not. Um, I don't know if you've... Uh, oh, this is the wrong movie. Yeah, that's the wrong movie. If you've uh, done any horror movies, I'm not going to introduce you to any horror movies. The director was Nick Castle, right? Uh, yes. Yes. He was, if you've watched, um, I recently watched a documentary on Netflix called The Movies That Made Us. And he was, um, in Halloween, he's the bad guy. He is? Yes. Wait. Because, because he, he had a shape, and, and he's actually credited in Halloween, the original Halloween movie, as the shape. So he had <laughs> okay. the body shape that they wanted, and they put that Captain Kirk mask on him, and that was... Uh, and he was uh, Mike Myers. That's hilarious. In the original Halloween movies. And you can see on his uh, IMDb, you know, of course, they brought him in and they've done, I'm, I'm assuming they brought him into some other shows without the mask, just as homages, you know, and, and cameos and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, he was he was uh, the shape in Halloween. Yeah, all the way down there. Which one? Which one that? 78. Yeah, 78. And he's done quite a bit of stuff that I recognize, you know, as far as. Uh, even an actor, I mean, granted, maybe some not some of the best ones like Major Payne or Dennis the Menace, uh, but he has done some other work as a director, which I thought was interesting. Tag the Assassination Game, yeah, the boy who could fly. That one I remember. That was kind of a uh, after-school special movie. It's about a boy who could fly. You'll be surprised to know. Really, yeah. he really flies. <laughs> That's oh. the story. <laughs> I wouldn't no, have guessed I, that. No, I can't remember. I, you know, it, it's been so many years since I've seen that one. But it, it's like a slice of life for a kid who flies. <laughs> wow. Oh, what what TV show do they make a joke about this in? <laughs> well, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, that seems like a prime Family Guy thing. Especially anything in the '80s was a Family Guy mention. Maybe, maybe Simpsons too. But oh, that's gonna bother me. It was. It was like a the what I'm thinking of was like a live action show. It's psych. It's psych. Oh. It's when his uh, mom and dad start to like like flirt again, and he's really uncomfortable. They put on the boy who can fly <laughs> to fly. calm him down. <laughs> oh, that, so glad I thought of that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the uh, he he's had a weird career going from being a <laughs> the shape in Halloween to uh, directing the Last Starfighter and directing some other things. But, but I, I was watching because a while back, well, it was the la- last year about this time, I watched that uh, Movies That Made Us documentary series on, and it was the Halloween movies that made us, the horror movies. And they, they got to that one and they were inter- interviewing him and stuff. And and then when I was watching the special features, I was like, man, he looks familiar. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's got that, he's got a face that, that you kind of see, a face for wearing a mask. I, should, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, that oh. might be a little rude. He kind of looks like Frank, not Frank. No, yeah, Frank Miller. Yeah, he's got that distinctive look. That old uh, old man. Yeah. <laughs> old and man. I, like I say, anytime you're in that kind of a role, you know, Halloween is such a cult thing, you know, and that kind of, you know, such a big following that I imagine 
we've probably seen him as a cameo in all kinds of shows that we just didn't know it. You right. Know, yeah. I guarantee you there was some psych is probably uh, one of the shows that did it where there's some Halloween episode and he was some guy behind a counter somewhere <laughs> yeah, and only people who knew, knew, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, cause you remember that, that show used to do that all the time where you'd have, uh, Cameos from old 80s sitcoms and stuff show up. Val Kilmer was in that (laughs) in the last episode. They talked about him every time, but he actually (laughs) showed up once. (laughs) That is such a good show. I was going to ask earlier, you mentioned this guy, Lance Guest. Did he do anything else after this, or did he sort of fade away? (laughs) He's been in some things. He uh, was, what was that, Jaws, which one? Jaws the Revenge. So that's, uh, he was a (laughs) child... Oh, Michael Brody, 77, so he would have been pretty young in that one. Jaws the Revenge. No, that's not Jaws 2. That's Jaws 4, isn't it? That's what I was looking for, but I'm not. Yeah. I know I, you know, he's got a face and you recognize him and stuff, but I I can't. He's one of those guys that, oh, that guy kind of thing. Right. What else has he been in? Do, you, do we see anything? Let's see here, Jaws. Oh, Halloween too. <laughs> there you. Oh, that's the right. Shape. They did actually mention that that he the reason he got this job was because the director uh, was working was talking with John Carpenter, and John Carpenter said, oh. "You got to check into this guy. He's got that face. He's got that quality. You know, which right. he does. He looks like a you know that kind of kid in this in the eighty four in the eighties and stuff. He looks a lot different right now." But. <laughs> Oh, lots of knots landing. He must have been a uh, a regular. Lots of what? What is that? Knots landing. That is a uh, grandma show from way back. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I have never heard of that knots, before. Knots landing. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but I think it was kind of a competitor for that show Dallas. So uh, prime prime time soap opera. Kind oh, of right. <laughs> prime time drama back in the days. Yeah, it, like I said, and Catherine Mary Stewart. We've seen. I mean, she's popped up quite a bit. I've seen her listed on a lot of things in the past, although it looks like, yeah, she's most known for Starfighter. Maybe that's just because we're clicking on it. But, you know, a lot of, like I said, and I think the mom, I can't remember, she was in some things too. Um, you know, so they got a lot of character actors in this one. And I don't know whether they tried to sell it to these actors as this is the next big thing or what. Right. But it definitely, you know, it was pretty neat the way they did it. And, and everybody was, uh, you know, shocked because it's one of those things where, we don't know what it's going to look like. They're adding the special effects later if they can do it. You know, as it, and it, it reminds me again of all that ILM stuff we talked about a couple weeks ago. But it's like uh, we don't know if we can do it, but we'll try. You know, right. and then they get it done, and then and then it becomes a thing. Right now, granted, you look at it now and it's not very realistic. But back in the day, it was pretty cool because you never see that kind of thing. Right. And I know that even in the documentary, they show test footage of a um, that somebody had done. One of the guys had done taking this technology and putting X-Wings and making them fly in formation and kind of do this kind of thing. And um, that David Mirren, I think is his name. He's all over the ILM documentary. He, They showed it to him and he's like, I was surprised. He says, I, I never even thought about doing that kind of thing, you know, and that kind of thing. So when you get that kind of comment from a uh, an ILM guy, you know, that's a big thing. Yeah, right. But then again, you also look at, at this time, you got to think of uh, Return of the Jedi. Obviously, that was all done. That that big space battle at the end was all, you know, models, practical effects, and stuff like that, the way that ILM did it. And that looked pretty cool, you know. So when it right. comes down to it, you got to wonder. I almost think that even though they were still working on it, that obviously looked better. But they obviously had a bigger budget, too. But 
it, it still was at that stage where there's a there's a, a noticeable you know uncanny valley a drop off there. Right. But I think what they did proved some things, and I think it looked pretty good. So, and it's a fun '80s movie. So. I liked it. <laughs> there was there's been all kinds of talks of a reboot. I wouldn't mind a reboot of it, although you know we'll have to see. I don't know what kind of reboot you do. Nowadays, the reboots are more exciting if you've got a series and you can explore the world a little bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> what if it's a TV show and it's about, it's a prequel? There you go. <laughs> so you actually know what's going on. Now, can we have the bald guys with the hair on the side? Because <laughs> obviously that race, even the ladies all look the same. So That, um, yeah, the I will say some of the aliens looked kind of okay. Some of them look stupid, but some of them looked actually fairly good in that little briefing. Yeah, they definitely did did some things where it was just a matter of putting masks on people and and hope hopefully they're off to the side and they're not moving. There are some of them that specifically didn't have mouths or eyes, probably because it's cheaper and easier. But but yeah, it was a you know it's a fun little cantina scene, and of course that's the you know the point of it is is they are doing the um, you know Earth isn't in the thing. Right. Right. So, so they, they're all, but like you say, nobody really cares. They didn't care that there's this earthling wandering around probably because he looks a lot like the other people. He just doesn't have a bald head. (laughs) Well, so that's another thing. I find it hard to believe that anybody would just be cool with this kid. Like I I just, and I don't understand the concept of like, (laughs) it's an arcade game like it was fun when he was explaining it i was like yeah that makes sense he was like it's sold out everywhere it was a bestseller of course we're gonna get somebody yeah but then after i thought about it i was like this is this is kind of actually really stupid well and then at one point he says that one was actually a mistake it's supposed to be delivered somewhere else well who do you got that's delivering these arcade games around the galaxy and accidentally goes to earth yeah right that's kind of a hard <laughs> hard miss like i don't know but again you gotta wonder i think that they're trying to play up the flim flam the uh you know the con artist guy and he's like well i'll just throw one here because i know that that's a thing you know yeah. or something. obviously he knew earth because he knew enough to uh put on a disguise that made him look like an earthling yeah that was <laughs> that took me aback when that happened that was <laughs> weird well, and the, so the part that was mostly weird about that, though, is that he just, like, had a, a handkerchief that he would put his face in sometimes. Well, all you have to do is rub off your face, face, fake face, and, and then he took out the eyes and was... <laughs> Whatever the adhesive is that is on that face is impressive, because he took it off and back on a lot of times, and it would just, like, stick perfectly on the it first It was amazing try. how wrinkly he'd get just putting it on right. He looks so much like an old actor who didn't want to sit in the makeup chair very long. But it was so, they, and they they showed it at the uh, the special features that it actually was the old actor wearing the wearing the face. Really? Uh, because because they showed the director had to walk him out to his place because he couldn't see out the eyes. When he <laughs> That's so funny. I know. Oh wow. What I mean, it it worked kind of <laughs> more or less. It's got it got the point across. I know what they were trying to say. <laughs> And this, do you have anything else to add? I think we beat it down in the ground. I like I said, I'd recommend. You know, of course, the reason I'm making you watch these is because I recommend everybody watches them. Some for different reasons than other, but this one was like I said, it was a fun one. And if you want to go back to uh, feeling like a kid in the '80s, I think this is the way to go. So. 
I'll, I give it like a solid 7.4. I liked it a lot. It felt like Back to the Future in space. Well, you did 7.2 on Willow. So you're you're right on the edge there. We got to. <laughs> what can I, I can't, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It was uh, the fact that Mad Mardigan was so hard for me to say that. <laughs> that ruined it. Yeah. Um, well, at least Greg was an easy one. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> what a fun one syllable name. That's what they should do for all the main characters. Just give them one syllable names and well, then yeah. I'll, I'll have no issue. But you'll run out. Of, there's only so many one syllable words. Okay. Well, you can there's just make so up a many, new word. Like only Greg so many is in one that. syllable sounds you can do. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yes, I think that will, that will finish us up for this week. Um, nice. Nice.